Thank you. Thank you for telling me Happy Father's Day. I love you. I had the best one of all of us. Um, all of you guys are good, but I had the best daddy out of everybody. My daddy was, he's here this morning. You don't see him, or maybe you do, but he's here, and uh, he's pleased, and he really likes what God's doing here. Uh, he was the biggest influence on my life, obviously. He was the hero of my life, and uh, I love you. That's my daddy. And that's all I want to say about that. As Forrest Gump would say, that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> so this morning for 30 minutes or so, or possibly an hour and a half, Tammy, it could be two hours. We don't have to worry about rushing out. She rebukes me every single week. And I said, I'm going to stop saying it. And then finally she sent in, the, she sent in the, the heavy artillery last week and Abby met me right there and said, could you stop worrying about time so much? I said, it's not that I'm worried about time, it's I'm worried about Logan's roles. Amen, that's right. And you heard me preach it last week. So actually the last couple of weeks I've talked about time. This morning I want to talk about the longing for belonging. Subtitled, The Spirit of Adoption. I won't keep you very long. I really don't think that I will. I just want to talk to you and we have a lot to do. Um, before I do that, if you have a daddy today that is still alive, and I don't care if it's in, in season or out of season, if you're in touch or out of touch, you need to contact him and tell him Happy Father's Day. Because if you had a daddy, you're here because of him. Whether he's a good one or you don't think that he's a good one, you're here because of him. If you have a stepfather that has stepped into your life and been something that he didn't sign up for, to know he was signed up for, call him today and tell him Happy Father's Day. A simple call. You have no idea what a small call or even a text or a message means to people that have spent their lives to try to better you. If you have a single mother and you don't know your dad and you never met him and she went, had to fill two roles to be daddy too, then call her and say, I know you're not a daddy, but I want to let you know that I recognize that, that because I didn't have a father in my life, you had to fill a role you were never meant to, to fill, and I applaud you and I love you and I thank you for it. Make sure that you don't let this day go by without calling your daddy or your stepfather or whoever, if you have a mentor in your life that has been like a father to you, I had a couple. If Charles Johnson was here, I would tell him Happy Father's Day. If Sidney Smith was here, I would say to him Happy Father's Day. If Jesse Slade was here that my son's named after, I would say Happy Father's Day. If Kelly Varner was here, I would say to him Happy Father's Day. So call those people that have influenced your life and impacted your life and been a mentor because th there's no requirement of anybody to be a mentor to you. If they did it, they did it because it was a calling and it was a, surely a sacrifice. So if you don't have a father but you had a mentor, make sure they know, hey, I really love you and I appreciate you. And what you do is you start building up a, a culture of honor. You, you build a habitat, a habit of honor and then it becomes a habitat of honor. And then everything you do is you, you just honor people and love people. Before I get into the message, the Lord spoke to me uh, two or three days ago. I'll tell you a couple of things that have happened in the past few weeks for me personally. Um, we had to put a new liner in our pool because, you know, the devil is a lie. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, I had to buy a new pool pump and all this other kind of stuff. And the Lord saw fit to give me a pool pump for about 25% of what I should have paid for it, which was awesome. When I went to pick it up, the guy threw in a skimmer basket, a skimmer net, um, a telescoping pole, which I couldn't bring because it was too far away. He's going to give me a filter. He gave me a sump pump, hoses, cords. I mean, you name it. He was just throwing stuff in. I'm like, what? I said, I said okay, so how much for all of it? He said, just 150, man. I just appreciate you coming. And then I was, um, if you pulled up and saw the silverish gray looking Toyota uh, Tundra, I was working on our dishwasher, which had given us fits 
because I'd only worked on it like 17 or 18 times, it feels like, in the last few months. On the floor, I felt like the Lord said to me, get on Facebook right now at Marketplace, and I did, and that truck was on there. I bought that truck for about 25% of its current value. It was, it was such a great deal that I thought it was a scam. That's right. And so I went and met the lady, and I'm like, are you serious about this? Here's the funny part. You're going to love this. It was an old lady. She was, well, she said she was old. I would not call her old, but she thought she was. She said, I'm an old woman, and I'm retired. And do you see that Jeep? I bought that. Well, her daughter, granddaughter told us this, but she was inside the house when I went inside the paperwork watching The Price is Right and told me that was my Jeep out there and what I sold that truck for because I wanted money to go to the casino in Cherokee. <laughs> and I said, ma'am, are you sure about this? Are you absolutely sure? I'm absolutely sure. I, I'm sure I need that money, and I'm sure if you don't do it, so the next person in line is going to buy it because there were 28 people waiting after me to buy that truck, but God gave me the truck. Um, that's, that's, a, that's two or three things. And then the Lord worked out the thing. We were going to have to drive to um, Knoxville, Tennessee for that bus that wound up not being what we needed. I thought it was, but it was gas. And I didn't know, had it not been for Jeremy, I wouldn't have known. He's like, dude, that's a gas, that's not diesel. And he was right, it actually was a gas vehicle, which we didn't want with that many miles. What was it, 350,000 miles is too much on a, on a gas vehicle. And I've already told you about the van. So anyways, I just began, I woke up yesterday or the day before, I'm like, God, you are just pouring it out. And he said to me what I'm gonna say to you because I believe it applies to you well. He said, you're walking into a season of accelerated blessing. I've had, I have English Mastiff puppies. Some of you may have seen or may not have seen. And we only had four at this litter, and we had two that were left. It's normally very, very easy to offload these puppies. When it doesn't become easy, you're like, oh, my God, am I going to have to feed these things again? What are we going to do? And, and uh, I was here last week, and the Lord spoke to me, put, those, put the dogs on Craigslist, which I did because I've tried Facebook. That hadn't really worked. And some of you have shared. Thank you for doing that. And a guy was in my driveway with his family yesterday when I got home from the car wash to buy that, the, male, the last male puppy we had left um, for full price, by the way. He didn't ask for a deal, which was really good. And so, I mean, it's just been one thing after another. After another. I could give you, I could give you more, more, uh, more, more things that God has done, but he's just been really good. And he's, it wasn't that I was conjuring up something. I, I was just thinking about his goodness, and he said, you've walked into a season of accelerated blessing. And so I'm going to say it again to you that didn't hear me the first time or did not respond properly. You are going to walk in to a season of accelerated blessing. Now you can walk in it and you can live in it or you can sit there and doubt it and, and not have it. I mean, the Lord's very clear in the old. He said, look, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Good. What do you want to choose? I choose to walk in a season of accelerated blessing. I'm expecting good things. I'm expecting good things to happen. I'm expecting some of the things I've long awaited for. I'm going to walk into it now. I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to, call, I'm going to walk in God's beautiful now. And I'm going to call the th those things that be not as though they were. I'm going to call them into existence because in my mouth and in my voice is power. And the same thing is in your mouth and your voice. You know, so begin to say so. I am walking into a season of accelerated blessing. Amen. And I hope you are too. Because I can't wait to see all that God's going to do. Um, an update on our building. Um, as you, you, you may not know, we're, uh, we've been here since December and I've talked to on a, on a weekly basis, I talk to the leadership at Agape, and they're so gracious to us. And um, BB&T came back and said, well, you can afford the building now, but you've not been able to afford the building for three years, so we don't know. So they kind of put us on a pause. Plus, we didn't, we didn't raise the 75000 that we had hoped to raise. We were more in the neighborhood of 55000 So, But I talked to uh, Presley Maddox, who comes here uh, when he can. He loves to be here, and he's an attorney here in town. And uh, he referred me to 
Blue Harbor Bank, and I talked to them last week or the week before, the week before last, and we put together our paperwork and sent it in, and they seem to be very confident um, to do the loan for us based on you know, our history of being in Statesville and what we've done and the, the equity in the building. So keep that in your prayers. Gopi's not going to kick us out, but I would like to go ahead and have this, have this in our name and have that part settled so they can do what they need to do and we can do what, what we need to do. So uh, let's just believe for that. I'm not bleeding you for an offering. That's not what I'm trying to do. If God speaks to you, I know you're going to listen. Um, but let's just, uh, God's going to get, he's given us favors. As a matter of fact, the response I got from Pastor Chris this week was, man, it's going to work out for you guys. You are so favored. That was his text back to me, and he's absolutely right. And I said, you got that right. I am favored. And, and Donnie Pierce used to say, I'm blessed and a blessing and highly favored and empowered to prosper. Now, I can't think of any better way to put it. Blessed and a blessing, highly favored and empowered to prosper. Is anybody else in here empowered to prosper? Yeah. I'll tell you another, another thing the Lord told me this week. I'm just still work, working through it, but I wrote it down in my notes, and maybe it'll work for you too. He said, Josh, we need to use your creativity that I've given you to create wealth exact phrase that he told me this week. So maybe that'll ring true with some of you guys too. I'm still working through what that means, and I, know, I think I know some of it. Maybe the Lord will tell you something to tell me, but you, he said, Joshua, won't you use the create, creativity that I've given you to create wealth? There you go. Amen. It, it, right, well, that's one of the first things I thought too. I'm a good songwriter. You should hear some of the songs I've written. I listen to them and go, my God, these are good. They had to have come from somebody other than me. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm really, really. So, amen. You know, you, you have your own unique creativity, and I believe that the Bible says that God has given us the power to get wealth, and I believe a part of that power is your own creativity. So, Whew. amen. I'm trying to figure out why all you guys sit up there. I'm, I'm totally cool with it. I'm talking about the teenagers. I'm talking about the adults. Is it just, is it a better view? <laughs> One of the most overlooked and misunderstood roles in the modern family, especially in Western culture, is father. A father is vital in the growth of any and every child. It is the father's job to set the nature of his children to be for them a safe haven and a protector. On the other hand, the absence of a father can bring unprecedented challenge to children. Some fathering advocates would say that almost every social ill faced by America's children is related to fatherlessness. Now, before you come thinking maybe there's a doubt of that, this is actually, these are, these are secular media groups that have put this together that I'm reading to you right now. Poverty, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual promiscuity and teen pregnancy, physical and emotional collapse, lower educational achievement, and crime are all re almost always related to the absence of a true father. And these are statistics from secular groups, as I said, so it cannot be overstated the value and importance of the role of father. I told you earlier, to, and I'll tell you now, if you have a father on earth today, you are to contact him and wish him a happy Father's Day. And if you're not in season or you guys are out of sorts, get in sorts for one day, swallow your pride long enough to make a phone call. You will thank me if he passes away and you didn't make that phone call, you, believe me, you'll think back to this moment and say, even that pastor told me I needed to call him. So just take the step, all right? Why am I feel like I'm pushing so hard against that? Somebody here has got some issues with your daddy. You have daddy issues. Look, you have a good, good father, and he is the heavenly father, and he loves you. And probably most of the things that you faced if you have problems with your natural father is because he had issues with his. 
you don't know maybe all of his circumstances. People don't just become mean or ill or whatever, but they go through things too and they develop their own personality based on their own experiences. Did you know there are plenty of men that have children that don't have a clue how to be a father? It's not that they don't even want to be, they don't know how to be. I know how to be a father because I had a good one. I know how to be a good daddy to my kids. If there's one thing that I'm good at, I know that I'm good at being a father to my children. It's because I had a good one. I learned from his mistakes as well as his successes. And you know why I knew they were mistakes? Because especially later in life, he would sit down with me and say, you know, I wish I'd have done this. You know what he said to me often? He said, he said the greatest mistake I made as a father was I wish I had made you guys respect and honor my word versus fear my hand. You remember him saying that all the time? Because all of us are afraid of his hand. Well, for God's sake, his hands looked this big when I was little, you know. And boy, if it came, if it came across the backside, you, you might as well, you're going to have, a, uh, you're gonna have a, a print on that butt for about three or four weeks. Or a hickory switch or whatever he could find, but, but except he wouldn't use a belt. I had a good one. But you know, many fathers don't know how to be fathers. And a lot of the habits that we pick up as fathers or as dads, we, we got from our dads that didn't know how to be dads. And it's a, gener it's a generational thing. But still, you should call them and say, you know what? I just want to tell you I love you. Happy Father's Day. If that's all you can muster up to say, then call them and do it. Somebody's going to do it today. You're going to change somebody's life by doing it. Amen. So it cannot be overstated the importance and the role of the father. So if you have one today, contact me. If you have someone who is not your father but has filled that role, you should do the same. Even God himself knew the importance of a father and chose in, in his infinite wisdom to be identified as such. For those here who may not know or haven't heard, he is a good, good father and he wants good things for his children, all of his children. He is not the faceless, angry God as he is often portrayed and misunderstood to be. He is the Abba revealed by and through Jesus Christ who is the only true word of God and the only true representation of the nature of God. It, you've heard me say before, and it's not original to me, but I love it. The, the scriptures are polyphonic, which is to say there are many voices speaking in scripture. Do I believe they're inspired by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I believe that all scripture is inspired. But, there was the, but I've, I've heard uh, Brad Jersak and others say, and maybe you should wait on listening to them until maybe we sit down sometime. But he said he was reading some things in the Old Testament where God said, go do this and go do this. He said, that doesn't sound at all like the, and he said his spiritual leader pointed down and he said, but it's the word of God. And he said, No. It's not the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word of God and everything else must bow to the one true word of God. You should never get pushback saying that even the Bible itself bows to Jesus who is the Christ. Because you can use the Bible to say a whole lot of stuff that Jesus would never say. Not, I'm not thrown off on the Bible. That's how we identify. That's how we know God. That's how we learn about him. I love the Bible, but Jesus is the word of God, and the Bible itself even bows down to Jesus, who is the only true and perfect picture of God, according to Paul. The King James says he is the express image of his person. Essentially, Jesus is everything the Father had to say about himself. Even Jesus would say all of the law and all of the prophets, they pointed to me. Do you remember that? And then he would be walking with a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember this? After his resurrection. And he said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. Ought not Christ to have suffered and entered to his glory? He says, starting with Moses and all through the scriptures, he pointed out everything the scripture had to say about him. It was always about him.
Galatians 4, I'm going to read from the New American Standard. This is Sonship in Christ. Galatians chapter 4. Now I say as long as the heir is a child. Now before, before Paul, lays, uh, Paul lays out that we are heirs of God and heirs with Christ. And he goes through all of that, you know, what our, this is in verse, or chapter 3, but in verse, chapter 4, verse 1, he continues. Now I say as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, even though he's the owner of everything. What a peculiar thing. He's no different than a slave, even though he owns everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. Until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption is the Holy Spirit. And so what this scripture essentially is saying is the Father sends the Holy Spirit into your heart so that by his Holy Spirit you receive the adoption and, and through that, you cry up to him, not just, not just Savior, not just King, but you're my Father, you're my Abba, you're my Daddy. Now, you can, you, well, I won't say that. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, I want to read this from the Passion Translation because I love the way that it brings it out here. Same scripture, just a different version. In a similar way, God has promised our ancestors something better. But as long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant, although he's the master of all of them. For until the time appointed by the father, when he comes of age, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is with us. While we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when that era came to an end, thank God that that era came to an end. Thank God that the era of us being slaves of hostile spirits has come to an end. And the time of fulfillment had come. Say, the time of fulfillment has come. Just so you can hear yourself say it. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law, yet all this was so that he would redeem and set free all of us, or all of those, held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you our, you're our true father, my God. And I'm going to read it again. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. What a testimony. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has, for we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. Before we knew God as our father and we became his children, we were unwitting servants to the powers that be, which are nothing compared to God. But now that we truly know him and understand how deeply we're loved by him, why would we even for one moment consider turning back to those weak and feeble principles of religion as though we were still subject to them? My God, the Bible will preach itself. 
Why would we ever turn back to principles, principles of religion as though we're held hostage by them? When we know him and we know that he loves us and we know that he's good and we know that he's for us, yes, he's always for us. We have received the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. Now, from Romans chapter 8, I read a lot of Bible today. See, I'm not against the Bible. I'm for the Bible. But the Bible always must point to Jesus. Sons and daughters destined for glory. The mature, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed at True Vine we, 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 do, uh, we have, a, a, we have a, a focus to make sure that anyone that, is, that feels moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit has room for that. We also have enough wisdom that we know when it's not by the Holy Spirit to grab them by the hand and say, that was sweet, let's be done. <laughs> thank you. Those were mercy laughs, I know. But thank you. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Listen to this. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Love the way that it's put. The King James says the spirit of adoption. The Passion Translation says you've received the spirit of full acceptance because truly what adoption is, it is full acceptance. I've been adopted. You've said to me as father or mother that you are willing to take me on as your very own. And any truly adopted child does not have to refer to paperwork to know that they are belonging to mama and daddy. They just know because they've been loved into the family. In the same way, we don't need documents to tell us who we are or who we're not. We just simply know that we're loved by a good, good father. And because we're loved by him, we're his sons and daughters. The proof of our adoption is not written on a piece of paper. The proof of our adoption is a spirit that lives within us yearning and longing for intimacy with him. Everyone that has ever been born in some point in their life is looking and longing for acceptance. And the, and the heavenly father knowing that sent his spirit for that very reason to affirm who we truly are and confirm that yes, I've given you the spirit of full acceptance. You're fully accepted. What do you mean? Just like I am, you mean I don't have to change to be accepted? That's exactly what I mean. Do I, does that mean that the Holy Spirit inside of you will not cause change to come? No. The Bible says be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not the newing, the renewing, which means to make new again. The reason he says by the renewing is because at some point your mind was one with the mind of your heavenly father. And so the work of the Holy Spirit, when you receive him, is what has to happen first is you have to get a clear picture of who he is. And when you get a clear picture, and here's the clear picture of who, he's good, good father. That's the clear picture of who he is. He's not angry tyrant. He's not mad. He's not war. He's not those things. The thing that he is, is he's a good, good father. And when we get a clear picture of who he is, then we can get a clear picture of who we are. And then we, we, we understand we're fully accepted. We're fully beloved. You mean you knew the stuff I did, and yet you love me anyways? You knew the things that I thought and the things that I said? The Bible says that all of us have, have come short of the glory. We've all done that. Everyone, if you were to sit down and say that you lived perfectly and never made a mistake from the time you were born, you're a liar. Your first mistake is you lied. 
No, we've all done that. But even in that, the Bible says that while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, you didn't die for godly people. You died for ungodly people. You died for people that didn't have it all together. I'm trying to keep it real basic. You died for people like me who had all kinds of problems and all sorts of issues. And, 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 and for all of us, that yes, he died for you in your issues because he wants you to know that's not who you are. You are not your issue. The problem is we, 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 we see our issue and we begin to identify more with our issue than with our true identity, which is sons and daughters of Christ. And if we identify with our issues, then, then, then our, our identity is sons and daughters in Christ, then we never go anywhere in life because we always, well, I'm just a scum, I'm just bad, or I did this, or I'm never going to break out of this shell, or I'm never going to break free, or I'm always going to be this whatever, instead of saying, no, I'm a son of God. And although I have issues, I've joined myself to the family and the one who is the true issue, and that's Jesus. Everybody has their own, everybody could wear their own scarlet letter. Remember that book, The Scarlet Letter? the lady that was forced to wear the letter based on what she did, and that's how she was identified. That's not, that's not what church is supposed to be. That's not what Christianity is supposed to be. That's not what the family of God is supposed to be. Your identity is you are the son and the daughter of the king of kings. That is your true identity. And so he says, he says I'm going to send my spirit into their heart so they can see me for who I am. Then they can see themselves for who they are, and then they can know I am fully and utterly accepted. And grace is not a license to go live like hell. It's a license to walk out of living like hell and be who I really was called to be. There you go. Make sure you write that one down too. When you tell it, tell it all. I said that part too. Grace is not a license to go just do anything you want to do. Grace is divine enablement. Divine enabling is really what the word means. It means unmerited favor and it means divine enabling. So his grace is not so I can just keep doing my thing and know God's got it covered. I'm just going, no, his grace is so I can walk into who I was always called to be. See, this is, this is simple. And since we are his true children, we qualify, I love this, to share all his treasures, for indeed we are the heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. I love this because I preached it this way before they even wrote the Passion Translation. It's the truth. How many times have you heard me say, you're heirs of God and join heirs with Christ? And then I would explain it to, never read it until this morning when I was putting this last piece together that, that the Passion Translation, could, they, can, they can reference me a couple of times. You're not just heirs of God's stuff. You are that. You're heirs of God himself. He literally pulls you into his family and says, now I'm going to metamorphose you. I'm going to cause you to have the very DNA of your creator, of your father. So not only do we receive the spirit of adoption to be fully accepted, then he transforms us and lets us understand you are fully and completely my sons and my daughters. So much that I've changed your DNA, now you're going to start looking like me. Walk like I walk. Talk like I talk. As a matter of fact, I'll give you power to sign my name. Amen. So whenever I go to Mozambique or Malawi or whatever in the coming months and years, and I walk up to someone who is crippled or blind or whatever, I have no problem signing his name to that check because I know it's his integrity and it's his name at li on the line. When I leave and you're here and someone comes in here with those same problems, I expect all of you, not a few of you, all of you to say, not even a problem. We got it covered. We have the authority to sign his name. Because I got to go. I need to be in Africa. 
We had lunch about this. Since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided we accept his sufferings as our own. Full acceptance, and that's what every child looks for. I'm going to read my notes. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes, and then we're going to go eat some rolls. Who's taking their daddy out to lunch? Abigail raised her hand. You, you hit the net. I'm telling you, the Lord is with you, young child. I was looking for one button, one Josh button kid, to raise their hands. I didn't see yours raise their hands. Tony, did your hand... Did your hand go up? If her hand goes up, you wouldn't be able to see it to get it above that belly. I hugged her last week, and I said, Tony, I feel like something's come between us. <laughs> Big, healthy baby growing inside of her. Full acceptance is what every child looks for. The absence of full belonging leads to insecurity and fear. Did you hear who just said, yes, it does? This is a lifetime counselor. You might want to listen. When she says yes or amen about this, you, know, you probably should listen. The absence of the feeling of being fully or, or of fully belonging leads to insecurity and fear. But to truly be loved, to truly feel wanted, and to know you belong is the cry of every human heart. We all long for deeply personal and spiritual connections and bonds. Adopted children do not infer that they are our children by checking out the adoption papers. A spirit pervades the relationship and bears witness to this reality. Like all the other children in the family, the adopted child says, Mama and Daddy. Yeah. You probably don't know that I have an adopted son. Most of you don't, but I do. And you know what my name is to my adopted son? Daddy. Do you know why? Because he's no less my son. In fact, there's at least as great a bond between the two of us because he knows I chose to be his daddy. When I, <clears throat> I went through a lot of stuff in my life, as, as many of you have, I learned about, I learned about the everlasting, never-failing, never-ending love of God and the way that he will utterly pursue us and love us back into his family with my relationship with that woman right there. I learned about the adoptions of sons, what it truly means and what it really is with my son who's 16 and will be 17 who sits up there and plays drums every Sunday. And I even learned how to die well when I watched Charles Johnson and even my dad die well. As a matter of fact, just a few days before Charles Johnson died, do you remember me telling you, we went to Sanford, North Carolina, and the Lord spoke to me and said, now I'm going to teach you how to die well. So these are things that I, that I preach about or that I teach about. These are not ideas that I read in books. This has been my life. When I tell you that an adopted child calls me by the same name that other children do, and I tell you that you're adopted into the family of God, and that means you have the same right and the same access to the Father that I've got. You have the same right. Some of you feel like you're castaways, or some of you feel like you're outlaws. Some of you feel like you're not necessarily fully connected to the Father. I want you to know that if you perceive me as being a son of God, and I am, and I perceive you the same way, you have the same access and the same ability to approach him as I do, or as anybody else, or, or Billy Graham, or all the great ones, you have the same access, and he loves you the same, and he wants good things. There's not, I have six children, and I want good things for every single one of them. In fact, I'm 41. You probably didn't believe that. You probably thought I was in my 20s, but I'm not. I'm 41. <laughs> that was not the time to laugh. <laughs> G laughed harder right like, like my God. 
No, I'm 41 and I have six children. I'm only 41, which is to say I have guitars. That's one of the things that I like to collect. In fact, the Lord may speak to you to get me a guitar, and if he does, here's what I like, McPherson and Elliot Raven. Just keep those in mind. Whenever God blesses you, you win the lotto or whatever it is that you win, don't forget about Mr. Josh Button, McPherson, Elliot. Uh, they start they about five or $6,000, just so you know. So I'm, going pick, I'm going to pick it out. Right, but because I have my, I have a couple of nice guitars. My my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and now you know why she's my wife, bought me a couple of really nice guitars. And I have a couple. My kids have already divvied up who gets what when I go. I told them in the car last week. I said, "Why are y'all giving away my?" Because I got the truck, and they're like, "Well, that's gonna be my truck." And this is going to be mine. That's going to be, I said, I am 41. I'm not dying each other. Why are you dividing up my stuff? I ain't going anytime soon. I'm in better shape than my daddy was at 41. And I plan on being in better shape at 57. Right? I plan on, I, I've said for years, when I'm 70, I will dunk a basketball on my sons. It may be on a six-foot goal, but I am going to yam it like I was Shaquille O'Neal. Two-handed on them and just look at them. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it. You wait and see. Linda, you might have to be there with Jackie to lift me up to get me to the goal, but it's going to happen. And they're giving away. The point of it is they know that what belongs to me is at some point is also going to belong to them. They know that they have a right to my stuff because they have had access to my heart. They know I belong to him, and because I belong to him, the stuff that he has at some point is going to be stuff that I have. In the same way in the kingdom of God, because you are children of the Father, because you are children of the King of Kings, you have access to everything the Father has to offer, and he has everything to offer. So if you're sick, you have access right now to health. My God, if, you're, if you have emotional instability, you have access right now to be clearly focused and, and emotionally stable. If you have a need for, for wealth, for finances, you have access in this very second to walk into wealth. I'm not preaching just a prosperity gospel because I want to make you feel good. I'm trying to get you to understand, here is the blank check that Father God wrote on your behalf, and he's waiting for someone with enough gumption and faith to say, that's right, I'm going to take you up on that offer. I refuse to live in sickness. I refuse to live in poverty. I walk into the fullness of my inheritance. You are fully accepted, fully beloved. I feel like I heard the Lord just say fully funded. I don't know what that is, but I honestly feel like I heard him just say, thank you, Lord. Oh, man. I know him when I hear him. I know his voice when I hear him. I heard him say, fully funded. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. What'd you say? For enough for the house. Thank you, Lord. We're fully. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's just so good. He's so good. And he's infinitely wealthy. Listen to me. He's infinitely wealthy. I don't just talk about money. I'm talking about whatever. Health and wealth and whatever the provision is that you might. He's infinitely wealthy and he's your father. Jesus would look at his disciples one day and say, he said, if your child comes and asks you for a piece of bread, would you give him a rock? Or if he said, Daddy, could I have a fish? Would you give him a snake? He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to those that simply ask? Another scripture would say, you have not because you don't ask. 
Matthew 7, 7 says this, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. Ask, seek, knock. What are the first, what's the first letter of ask? What's the first letter of seek? S, you, my God, three people in the whole church knew this. Maybe we need to take alphabet lesson. What's the, this is the good one here. What's the first letter in knock? K, ask, A-S-K. It all starts with ask. Okay, Lord, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but you do. I don't know how I'm gonna get from point A to point B because B is where I really want to be, but you know. So here I'm just gonna simply ask. Okay, here, I'm gonna put myself in line. Here we go. Father, we need another $325,000 to pay for this building. I'm just gonna ask you for it. You said fully funded, so I'm gonna ask you for it. I'm asking you for it. Last week I asked... Uh, last week I asked for a van or bus for our church and it's literally parked in the driveway in a week. You don't know where we come from. It's, many of you do, some of you know, but if you knew where we came from, where we came from was four people. Tony Button and Barbara Button and David Lofton and Nancy Lofton, right? That was the four? That was right, Donnie Pierce was there in the beginning, so maybe five or six. I was in my pool the other day when I brought the van home and my mom looked at me and she said, we never had stuff like this. And I said, fasten your safety belts because this is just the start. If you think this is the ultimate, this is just the start. God is going to absolutely, utterly bless. You're going to walk into a season of accelerated blessing. I will say it again for those in the back. You are going to walk into a season of accelerated blessing. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. You, have, you are walking into a season of accelerated blessing. For some of you, look, for some people, money is not the blessing because some people have all the money in the bank, but they can't sleep more than an hour and a half at night because they're worried, worried to death about stuff, sick to death about their son or sick to death about their daughter or sick to death about their relationship. Everybody doesn't just need money, but a lot of people do. You know how you're going to get money? Okay, you said that you give me the ability to acquire wealth. So I've never seen it. I've never seen dollar bills float out of the sky, although I have found money in my pocket that I don't believe I ever put there. I mean, he can't, he, I'm not going to say he can't put gold in a fish's mouth. You know what I'm saying? But to put gold in a fish's mouth, you better know something about fishing to catch that thing. Okay, Father, so I ask you for to have this house fully funded. You know the vision is not just to pay for this building, but I want a gym over there. I want a cafeteria back there. And I want dorm rooms so that we can help people that are recovering addicts and alcoholics and people that need counseling, that truly need psychological We want to do that here. We have 15 acres. We can do that right here. This was a vision that you gave to my father in the 70s, and he called it God's Acres. I don't know if that's what it will be called or not, but this is not the ultimate. This is the start. And do you know who has all the wealth and all the finance that there is? God himself. It's his. So ask. I need wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. The Bible says he'll give that to you liberally. He wants you to have wisdom because he wants you to know how to handle his goods. Did you know that it's your responsibility as ambassadors of the kingdom to distribute the goods of the kingdom to the, to the, to the nations? Can't be new. Nobody else knew. Did you know that it is your right and responsibility as ambassadors and citizens, sons and daughters of the king, to distribute the goods of the kingdom to the nations? Here are the goods of the kingdom. Health, prosperity, peace of mind, uh, understanding of true identity. 
Church will no longer be coming. It makes me sick even to see anymore. No longer coming weekly to get my fill up because I'm just about gassed out. No, it's going to be, hey, we're coming together to strategize and plan how we're going to take these goods and this wealth to the nations. What are you going to do when that's what church services are? We come in and worship, and then we just say, hey, look, look God has blessed us so much. What country are we going to go change now? Where are we going to go dig some wells? What, what children are we going to show up that are starving to death, and we're going to say, we're building a well right here, and you're going to be fed the rest of your life because God has blessed us. That should be what our church services are, not just dragging in because I've had such a bad week. I'm declaring, I'm prophesying, I'm just trying to keep it real light. You may not know that's what I'm doing, but that's what we're doing. Christian, what are you going to do when walking here and the problem that we have is not the problem anymore. The problem is how in the world do we distribute all the goodness that God has given us? Not just in, not just in word, but in deed. Look, I, I went to India. Some of you know the story. I'm closing. I went to India in 1998 and I went back in 99. You know that. Matter of fact, I took my son Jacob in 2016. And in 1998, we went to a place called Amalapuram. It's in southern Andhra Pradesh, India. And in Amalapuram, we went to a leper colony. Some of you have seen the video. It was so old that it actually was a videotape that I took of these little huts that we built about the size of that drum booth that I would never put a drummer in uh, because I don't believe in that. And we built those huts, and I walked to this leper colony. I had never seen it, and I've got a, and, and leprosy eats away at your extremities. So some of them didn't have noses or fingers. A lot of them had to eat up, eat up to their elbows. And when we walked, and they saw the unveiling and the ribbon cutting for the places we had built, you know what they did? They clapped their elbows because they didn't have hands to clap. They clapped their elbows. They would sing, and some of them didn't have lips. Toes would be eaten away. You know what I want to do? I want to go build, I want, I want to go build, uh, I'd love to build hundreds of those places. And then you know what I'd like to do? After they're built, I'd like to go in and say, not only have I come, you know, not only have I come to give you a new house to live in, but I'm also going to make sure that nose grows back so you can smell the bread that's cooking in the oven. <laughs> that's what Jesus would do. You think Jesus would give him a house and not even let him enjoy it? Jesus would say this, so that you know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I'll say to you, get up, rise up off your bed and walk. And the thing that's been carrying you, now put it on your back, you're going to carry it. I'm going to say that the thing that's been carrying you, that you got, I'm saying that to somebody because somebody is going to, is going to roll up that mat. So for some of you, the mat's an excuse. For some of you, it's an insecurity. And I believe by the Spirit of God, you're going to roll up that mat of insecurity excuse today. And the thing that's been carrying you, you're going to put it on your shoulder and you're walking out. And it'll never be what you lay on again. My God, I feel real prophetic right now. <laughs> God Almighty. What are you going to do, Christian? Rebecca, what are you going to do? When, this is our strategy meetings. We're not, I mean, I mean yard, this is the yard sale queen right here. That girl can find, God blesses her, and Tony's good at it too. Tony can find a coin. This, let me tell you a story about Tony one time. This dude bought some coins. How much did you buy the coins for? $50, $100? Was it even that much? Wound up being thousands of dollars worth of coins and traded it for like a $20,000 truck. I'm like, What? Now, God didn't float 20 grand out of the sky, but God t tells Tony, walk into this place, go offer this person this, and then go meet this other place. Rebecca can clothe you like you were Versace and do it for about $7.13. Now, God does not give Rebecca necessarily hundreds and thousands of dollars. What he says is, no, go here, offer this here, do this here. 
What are you going to do when our problem is not even having yard sales anymore, but our issue is this is a huge building and we can't store everything God's given us to give away to the nations? I'm prophesying. Not prophet lying, I'm prophesying. Some people prophet lie, I prophesy. Elizabeth said, I wish you would prophesy dinner in 15 minutes because I'm hungry. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, so be it. As your faith be, so be it unto you. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do when your issue is not your issue? Because it's coming. Accelerated blessing. Accelerate. Just imagine this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Pedal to the metal. Tired of waiting anymore. This generation. It's time to go right now. Let's do it now. Amen. Let's stand. The, God bless some people's muscles and backs because I heard a bunch of, oh. Everybody stood up like, oh. God bless Lord, new back muscles, new bones. I'm not pointing to anybody. But, but. Thank you, Father. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the spirit of acceptance, the spirit of belonging. Thank you that you reign upon us, the spirit of adoption. And because we have the spirit of adoption, we don't just see you as creator, we see you as daddy, our provider, the one that watches after us, the one that sets our nature, the one that, that gives us all the things that we need that pertain to life and godliness. I pray, Father, that these words fall like seeds into the soil of their souls, that it would bring forth fruit in this season for the benefit and the expansion of your kingdom. I thank you, Father, for uh, being fully funded. I thank you that there are people in here that are going to take up their mats and carry the issue that's been carrying them. They'll no longer be confined to it, whether it's insecurity, whether it's poverty, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, sickness, disease. They'll no longer be stuck to it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for our travel tomorrow and some today. I pray for safety. I pray that no vehicular issues present themselves for us on this trip in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father. I pray, Lord, my heart is that we would bond. Lord, there be such a, even though some of us even naturally are, there be such a spirit of family on the way up and while we're there and on the way back, Lord, that that bond would, be, would even strengthen even more so, Father, that your spirit would cause us to, to be interlinked and, and laced even tighter together, Father. I pray for next week as Aftershock stands on this stage and delivers uh, their experiences from this week, Lord, that it would be done with power and that your glory would be revealed as we sit back and watch this next generation take their rightful place uh, in your kingdom. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for Pastor Lisa Unger and Dan, her husband. I thank you for Lynn Hiles and the whole house family. I just pray a blessing upon them. I pray for everyone that's traveling, Lord, from Tennessee and from Texas and from Georgia, from Maryland and Ohio, Lord, that you give them safe travels. And uh, help us, Father, to truly experience and encounter you in, in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Father's Day. God bless you.